Welcome to the Code Newbie Podcast, where we talk to people on their coding journey in hopes of helping you on yours. I'm your host, Saran, and today we're talking about what being an apprentice engineer can be like with Allison Qualia, software engineer at Pinterest. It's just such a good feeling, too, because it's like, wow, I was in your shoes. I was in that exact spot not too long ago. I remember all of those feelings and all of those things. Allison talks about switching careers into tech landing an apprentice engineer role at Pinterest, what that apprenticeship looked like, and leveling up at Pinterest to software engineer after this. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So you went from being an apprentice engineer at Pinterest to becoming a software engineer there, which sounds like an incredible opportunity. I just love this concept of apprenticing and apprenticeships. Before we get into the details of your apprenticeship, tell me, how did it get started for you? Where was the the start of your coding journey? I come from a very non-tech creative background. I actually studied anthropology back in college. And then throughout my professional career, I worked in fashion magazines and PR for years doing photo shoots and working with designer clothing and accessories. I also worked as a freelance brand consultant with a bunch of small women-owned brands, including an ethical jewelry line made by Cambodian artisans that had a give back to fight human trafficking. I worked with natural skincare brands. I did special events. Oh my goodness. What an exciting life. Oh my God, it keeps going. (laughs) Like the last event that I did was actually with like Wu-Tang Clan. I was a celebrity babysitter for a moment. Really? Oh yeah. Are you allowed to say what celebrities? I won't, (sighs) no. But I I will say that they were amazing and their child was also amazing. Were they people we would know? Yes. Ah! That's so cool. But great experience. But, you know, lots of fun, you know, random freelance and temp stuff. Wow. And then the last full-time job that I had before switching into tech was doing global product development for a luxury fragrance company. Hmm. So absolutely nothing relation to tech at all. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so basically, you know, I'd been doing all this freelance and temp work and I kind of felt like a jack of all trades, but a master of none. And also, you know, paying off my student loans at the same time. I really wanted to commit to something that was going to be more stable and something that paid well, where I could work remotely, where the jobs would be in high demand, hopefully involving some creativity and also hopefully something that I could apply those skills to causes that I care about. So my partner is actually also a creative turned software engineer, and he started suggesting that I should learn how to code or that I should at least, you know, make the switch into tech. Mm. And I was just so intimidated. (laughs) I never pictured myself as a developer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I didn't know many. I never saw developers that I felt like I could identify with in TV and in movies. And anytime I looked at his code and stuff that he was working on, I was just like, oh my God, this looks like math. It's super scary. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that is. I don't want to be part of it. And Mm -hmm. like, I didn't even think it was something that I could even do. Mm. So I kind of started dipping my toes into tech through UX UI. And I started studying that a bit, which felt like a really nice mix of my anthropology and arts background, you know, merging with tech. So I was studying that and I really loved it. But then a friend of mine actually went to a coding boot camp. And she had also no tech experience and she just had a really great time. 
She found a really amazing high paying job really quickly afterwards. And that was really inspiring for me and made me wonder if like, oh, well, you know, if, if she could do it, like maybe it's something I could do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I started playing around with like free code camp and like, you know, super simple, like HTML, CSS. And I found that it was really fun, mm-hmm. <laughs> that I felt like it was kind of igniting a part of my brain that I hadn't really used much since like high school, college. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I really love to learn. So that was really exciting for me. I'm like a huge nerd and like love school. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, well, like maybe this is an option. And considering at that point, either going down the path of UX UI design or going down the path of learning to code, mm. I started talking to different bootcamp grads and doing research and you know, I visited some boot camps and kind of from talking to people, I found that, you know, a lot of people were saying that if you were a developer who could also design or vice versa, that you were kind of a unicorn. Mm. And I was like, oh, I want to be a unicorn. Yeah, who doesn't want to be a unicorn? (laughs) Right? I was like, that sounds amazing. So Mm -hmm. I applied and enrolled in an in-person 15-week intensive coding boot camp. And that's basically what I made the official switch. <laughs> wow. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about the boot camp decision. Because, you know, one of the things that we're so fortunate with these days compared to, you know, 10, 20 years ago is the number of, you know, cheap, free, flexible resources we have available to us, right? What made you decide to ultimately do a boot camp anyway? As I mentioned, I love being in school. Mm-hmm. I love being in a classroom right. and, you know, really having that sort of dedicated focus on learning. So when I've tried to just learn things completely on my own, you know, I find it can get easy to get distracted or discouraged if you don't understand something. The UX courses that I was actually doing before were totally like self-paced, mm-hmm. remote. And there are so many times where I would, you know, have a question and then I couldn't get an answer from somebody. And so then it slowed me down. Mm. I knew that enrolling in a boot camp was going to be more money. Mm -hmm. So it was a really big consideration for me. I actually made like a whole spreadsheet Mm -hmm. (laughs) comparing all of the different boot camps and their costs and, you know, the languages that you'd learn and and all sorts of things. And I really made sure to do my research and talk to a lot of people before committing to that decision. But ultimately, I felt like it was the best one for me because I really lucked out. I had an amazing cohort of people with me and going in every day and learning together was just so exciting and so valuable. And, you know, even being able to like slide over a chair to someone and be like, oh, can you take a look at this? Or like, oh, yeah, I know what that Mm -hmm, is. I can mm -hmm. help you there. Yeah. And sort of having that really collaborative learning environment was amazing and I think was really helpful for me. When you look back on your journey of learning to code from that first introduction to the online stuff to the boot camp, what was the most challenging part for you? I mean, honestly, everything was brand new. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was I, fair. You know, yeah. it was like you know, learning all of these different languages and concepts and like you know, the boot camp is very, very fast. You know, 15 weeks sounds like a long time, but it's not when you're <laughs> you're learning, you know, Ruby, Rails, JavaScript, React, 
Redux, SQL, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. all of these things that were completely brand new. And I just remember feeling at the end of every day that like my head was going to explode, like so much knowledge had been like <laughs> funneled into me every single day that it was a lot. <laughs> yep. I think just, yep, just yep. in general, you know, coming as a person who was coming from very non-tech background and experience. And also, you know, I think that some people are very naturally inclined to a lot of these things. Mm. And we definitely had people in our cohort that like picked stuff up immediately and they were like, oh yeah. And they just hit the ground running. But I was always one of those people that, you know, it took me an extra minute and like I needed to reread something a few times or, you know, I had to work harder at it that didn't come as naturally. So it was very challenging, but very rewarding because as you're coding something and you do something and it works and that thing pops up or it does what you expected it to do. It's like all of these tiny little wins compounding over and over like, oh, I did that. Oh, I'm learning. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Everything. (laughs) I was definitely not one of those, you know, naturally inclined coders for sure. It was definitely like, okay, I got to think how to think. Mm-hmm. I mean, luckily, you know, I think in my bootcamp experience, most people were generally on the not naturally inclined group, but there were definitely a couple people that were very inclined. And I was like, oh, you jerks. <laughs> how dare you get this faster than me? But yes, I mean, I think that's one of the, the good things about tech is it takes time, it takes patience, but I really do believe that anybody can learn it. And just it not feeling natural is just, you know, part of the process and part of the experience. And, you know, it kind of is what it is. Mm -hmm. So tell me about that apprentice engineering position. Tell me about how you heard about it at at first. You know, I don't think there's that many apprenticeships around or or available, period. So I'm curious how you came across it and and how you ultimately found and, and land that job. I mean, I started hearing about apprenticeships at different like big name companies. Like Mm -hmm. I heard that Twitter had one and I think Asana and maybe Lyft and then found out afterwards that Pinterest actually had one too. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. Pinterest has been one of my dream companies for many years. Really? Cool. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I've used Pinterest for so many years and it is such an incredible app. It really is a good app. It's amazing. I mean, like I use it for recipes probably more than anything. Mm, My partner and I have like a van that, you know, is semi-converted, you know, it's like a camping van and stuff. So inspiration for that and home decor and like all sorts of super fun things. So, you know, as soon as I heard about the apprenticeship at Pinterest, I was like, oh my God, like, (laughs) where do I apply? How did you end up landing it? What was the process for applying? Uh, What did that look like for you? The first step was like a take-home coding challenge that, you know, you did on your own. And so, you know, you had to submit that. And then from there, I think we had a one-on-one live coding Mm. interview with, at the time, it was like a third-party partner. And then we had a like recruiter screen, like uh, a chat with the program manager. Mm -hmm. And then it went straight to the sort of final rounds. And it was like four and a half hours of interviews with four different people doing I think three out of the four were live coding. And then the other one was with a manager. So more just talking about projects you've worked on and 
you know, your career up into that point and any other stuff there. Mm-hmm. It was such an incredible experience. And I just remember being so nervous, yeah. especially before the final rounds mm-hmm. and just like, you know, pacing around my apartment. And, you know, the second I got into that interview, everyone was just so nice <laughs> and, and so supportive. Mm-hmm. Then they chose, my cohort had 15 of us from all of the applicants. And, you know, I, I understand it was very competitive, but I remember getting the phone call and just like jumping around and like doing a happy dance. Oh, I was so wonderful. <laughs> oh, that's so great. So yeah. I have to say, I'm a little surprised at the intensity of the application and interview process, because when I think of at Apprentice, the assumption I'm making, and, and please tell me if this is incorrect, is that they don't really know very much quite yet, right? That's kind of that's kind of the point, right? Is is that you're not quite ready for that first job. It's the step before the first, you know, real official full software position. And so I see it as, you know, kind of half learning, half training with some deliverables. And so I wouldn't expect a position like that to include four hours of interviews and one-on-one coding sessions and kind of the stuff that you described. So tell me a little bit more about the expectations for an apprentice. When Pinterest is hiring for their cohort, what are they expecting of you and, and what level should you be at to be a good apprentice? For the Pinterest apprenticeship, we were really treated as full-time engineers mm, from okay. the beginning. Cool. So, you know, we had a dedicated mentor and, you know, obviously we had our, our manager as well, but we were fully fledged members of the team <laughs> just with the like additional added support. So when I was an apprentice, I was working on features and projects that were seen by millions of users every day. And they really gave us a ton of responsibility and opportunity for impact, Mm. like from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, even though we were all bootcamp grads and, you know, it's different for everyone, right? Right. Because you have some people who are straight out of the bootcamp, have never had anything else before. You could also have people who went to a bootcamp and then stayed on for like a year to do the TA, you know, help with the bootcamp where they would kind of go through the whole thing again. So we had some people who did that. And then you might also have people who were self-taught and like went, you know, a different route in that way. So I think they just wanted to make sure that everybody was sort of starting off at that same base level. And the level that you convert into after from your apprenticeship to full-time is basically that of a new grad. So that could be someone, you know, coming out of their computer science degree, like from college likely with at least one or two internships under their belt. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we were definitely held to a really high bar. But, you know, it was incredible in that way because there was also a ton of support. Obviously, they knew that, you know, we were coming in with a more limited amount of knowledge than other people. Mm-hmm. But that's where like our mentor really stepped in. And my mentor was like exceptional. Mm. <laughs> and we did technical deep dives every week. Wow. And we had like at least two one-on-ones per week, but he was always available for questions or to walk me through things. Mm-hmm. Tell me why you think they chose you. What do you think, you know, you did or what about your applications stood out that made them choose you? I do think that, you know, there were a few things that I did differently during my job search process that were a bit more untraditional. Like, for example, I wrote a lot of tech blogs, 
articles that I posted up on medium.com. And I did a number of tech talks as well. And I think that those things were a bit more unique. Also, I think, you know, interview style is, is so different between everyone. And, you know, I really value communication. So I think, you know, really talking through things and, you know, and trying to work well with the interviewers, being clear about what I was trying to accomplish or what my thought process was behind everything that I was doing throughout the interview. I would think maybe those may have helped a little bit. Yeah, I definitely think that, you know, all the extra code related, but not exactly coding stuff, at least in my career, has definitely made a difference. The speaking, writing, podcasting, you know, all those other things mm-hmm. definitely help you at least stand out. Tell me a little bit more broadly about your strategy for applying to jobs. You know, you apply to the Pinterest position, but, you know, of course, you know, you can't put all your eggs, you know, in one basket. So when you thought about, you know, getting that first paying gig, that first paying job, and you were trying to figure out, you know, what companies to apply for, how many to apply for, and you're kind of, you know, putting together a plan, what went into that strategy for you? So I think that a lot of people come into the job hunt with like, I need to apply to, you know, 200 postings per week or or something like that. And they they have like some number that they want to hit. But what I really tried to do was to target companies and roles that I was actually excited about. Mm. And I tried to target it in that way so that I could really be like most genuine about my excitement about that role. I mean, if you're writing a cover letter and you're like, oh, I've always wanted to do this thing that I've actually never wanted to do. <laughs> you know, I feel like it, it comes across, you know, and, and if, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't, if it doesn't come across in writing, it might come up like in the actual interview as well. Mm-hmm. And so I have, you know, a lot of companies that I was really passionate about or had heard good things about, or maybe it was a company that I had never heard of, but they had a really great mission that I aligned with. And that meant a lot to me or the role itself was really exciting. Mm. And I think that, you know, my strategy of sort of targeting those kind of roles and opportunities that I could genuinely be passionate about, I think that probably came through on a number of them, at least like in cover letters or, or interviews and so on. And that actually worked out really well for me. I think I officially job hunted for like three and a half months. Hmm. And I think in that time, I tallied it up and I only applied to 45 different roles. Wow! And then there were a number that reached out to me directly. So does that mean that there were 45 companies that you were excited and and passionate to work at? Yeah, I mean, it was also roles too. So that was kind of a combination of like Mm -hmm. either roles or companies. And I think some of those jobs that I applied for were probably at the same company too. Like, for example, if I saw Pinterest was, you know, hiring like an entry level thing and an apprentice, I probably applied for both of them. So one of the questions that we get a lot from people, especially more on the self-taught side, is how do I know that I'm ready to apply for a job, right? How do I know that I've learned enough, that I'm going to be successful? When am I ready to kind of, you know, put in that first submission? And so when you think about where you were when you started 
the job hunt journey. Because when you apply to jobs, like it's a commitment, you know, like you said, it took you three months. I don't know how many hours that adds up to, but for a lot of people, finding, applying, code interviews, like all that takes, you know, a good chunk of effort, energy, and focus. And so how did you decide when you were ready to take on that task? Yeah. I mean, honestly, job hunting can be a full-time job in itself. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I think especially coming out of a boot camp, you know, there's so much that they don't teach you. So I know with mine, they didn't teach us data structures and algorithms mm-hmm. and JavaScript fundamentals. And I started off with the rest of my cohort, you know, we started doing these like practice interviews and we really needed to focus on those JavaScript fundamentals and Mm -hmm. do a lot of self-learning before, you know, I felt ready to really start interviewing. So I did like some Udemy courses and I read like the Grokking Algorithms book Mm -hmm. and like a bunch of other stuff. And I don't think you ever really feel ready (laughs) because I certainly didn't. And I still don't even now (laughs) because there's always more to learn. And there are always going to be questions that you don't know the answer to. But I think that one thing I found was that the more that you practice, like the easier it becomes. And you do start to see some patterns about like questions that are very, very similar. Essentially, they're the same question, but they just have like some little bit of wording tweak to them. Mm. Or you start to learn about different methods for solving different algorithms. So I think getting like some basic knowledge, like even if a person were to come out of a boot camp, do like a really good Udemy course or something on data structures and algorithms and, you know, read like you don't know JS, like the book Mm -hmm. or something to kind of fill in some of those JavaScript fundamentals. I think even just those things, you're probably ready. Mm. Yeah, I think I saw a tweet earlier this week that said, you know, software engineering is one of the only jobs where the interview is harder than the actual job. And I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yep. sounds right. That, that sounds, sounds right. right. <laughs> so you wrote a really great article called Into the Unknown, Advice for Breaking into the Tech Industry. And you talk about all the things that you did to be a desirable job candidate, which we kind of touched on, but also a successful developer afterwards and a successful developer today. Can you tell us a little bit about what some of those things are? What are some of the things that throughout your career you've kind of carried with you, you continue to do to help make you a stronger candidate uh, and and just, you know, build a solid career? You know, one thing I think has been really beneficial is joining communities and going to virtual meetups and conferences and making those connections with other, for me, like female developers in the community has been such a valuable tool and and an asset. And I've just, I've made so many incredible friends and mentors that way, you know, and there's always people to to ask questions to and to learn from and um, get advice. And I think that's always great. I think even writing tech blogs and giving tech talks, I think that's also super valuable. I think that, you know, it's really important, especially when you're in a position where you have secured a job and you do have some experience to kind of pay it forward for the next round of people um, and help however you can. So writing tech blogs, giving tech talks, helping to explain concepts, maybe in ways that are a little bit easier to understand for people coming from non-tech backgrounds, Mm -hmm. I think has been really helpful, you know, both for me as a learner and 
for me as, as someone trying to help others, you know, just kind of focusing on paying it forward. And I have two actually, since now I'm no longer an apprentice, mm-hmm. the next cohort of apprentices has started. And I'm what's called a supplementor, which is oh. like an additional mentor cool. to two different apprentices. Oh, neat. Oh, what a fun title. Yeah. Supplementor. Yeah. It's, 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 it's really powerful. amazing. Yeah. It's just such a good feeling too. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, I was in your shoes. Yep, I yep. was in that exact spot not too long ago. I remember all of those feelings and all of those things. So let's dig into the Apprentice Engineer program a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You touched on this a little bit, the 15 people, you had mentors, you had two one-on-ones, you were treated like software engineers. Tell me a little bit more about the logistics of the program. What did the day-to-day look like? What kind of problems were you solving? Was it independent? Were you pair programming? Give me a picture of what it was like. So it was completely different for all of us because the apprentices are spread out throughout the engineering organization. Uh, I see. So a team actually needs to request to have an apprentice engineer join, which was something I really loved too, because I was like, oh, okay, they want me to be here. They're not just like, oh, we got an apprentice. Like, <laughs> we have to deal with this. I'm like, oh, no, I'm, I'm wanted. This is awesome. Right. So all of our day-to-days were completely different. But for mine personally... I was working and still am in the growth part of the organization. So I was doing some pair programming like with my mentor here and there, but for the most part, it was independent. I worked on a whole bunch of features and I did some bug tickets and worked on experiments because we run a lot of experiments within the growth organization. So I would you know, come up with ideas, present them to the team, use data to opportunity size them. And, you know, if all looked good, I would go ahead and and launch these experiments and monitor them and put together project reviews and basically everything that the full-time engineers on my team were doing just with that sort of additional (laughs) cushion of support whenever needed. (laughs) And what team did you end up being delegated to? So I'm on logged out product, basically focuses on like the logged out user experience when they come to Pinterest on the web page or the phone or on desktop or tablet and so on. Gotcha. So what happens after the apprenticeship? How many people ended up becoming full-time employees at Pinterest? So most of them did. So basically the way that it works is every quarter we would have a review cycle Mm. And we would be looked at in regards to full-time engineering expectations Mm. and see, you know, if there were areas that we needed to work on or if we were meeting or exceeding any of those marks. And then the program went for up to a year and you could convert to a full-time apprentice engineer basically at the six-month mark, the nine-month mark, or the 12-month. We were actually the first cohort during COVID. (laughs) So it was the first time they were doing the program remotely, which was, you know, definitely interesting Mm -hmm. and new and would have been great to be in person for some of it. But, you know, it was still a great experience. Mm. And by the end of it, the vast majority of us converted and stayed on as full-time engineers. And was that kind of the goal of the apprenticeship was to transfer everyone over to full-time or was it kind of like, you know, Hunger Game style, only one of you survives. <laughs> you know, kind of Definitely not. Okay. So with the apprentice program, every apprentice that they take on, they are able to hire that person. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So mm. if all of the apprentices meet the mark, then all of the apprentices will be hired to stay on. 
So yeah, definitely, definitely no Hunger Games style. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit more about your mentor mentee relationship. You mentioned a couple one-on-ones. How mm-hmm. was that relationship structured and uh, how did they help you succeed? My mentor was and still is incredible. And we would meet for one-on-ones like twice a week, but sometimes more if we were going to pair program through something. He was also always available if I had a question, but he also was really great about giving me the space to learn and figure things out on my own as well. For example, if I ran into an issue and I wasn't quite sure how to solve it, like he might ask me some questions to sort of get me going to the right answer without giving me the right answer, which was really great. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) And he was also really wonderful about giving candid feedback anywhere that I needed to work on to improve. He still continues to be such a great resource. I mean, I'll still have one-on-ones with him here and there and, Mm. you know, just to chat or whatever else. So tell me about how things evolved over the course of that year in terms of tasks, projects, responsibilities. How did things kind of, you know, grow and change over those 12 months? As the time went on, you could think of it kind of as like learning to ride a bicycle (laughs) where, you know, you start off and you have training wheels and you're all wobbly and, (laughs) you know, maybe you're like, don't let go. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I'm scared, you know, and then eventually you get more confident and you get, you know, better and, and you're taking on more things. And then those training wheels eventually come off. And like, by the end, I don't know, you're like, mountain biking down the (laughs) down mountains or something right right you know from day one i had all of this responsibility and opportunity but a lot more support and then as time went on i think the support was always there but it was more removed Mm -hmm. like okay we're here if you really need us but like let's let you do this on your own and i you know would continue working with other engineers on the team as well to learn from others instead of, you know, just my mentor. So kind of branching out in that aspect as well. Mm. But yeah, it was, it was very organic. And my mentor and my manager too, my manager is also incredible. They both really set me up for success and made sure all throughout the way that I was meeting, if not exceeding the expectations throughout the entire process. So, you know, by the end of it, it's like when I changed from apprentice to full-time, it felt like there was barely any difference at all. Because at that point, I had been working at the scope of a full-time engineer for at least the past three months. So it was a very easy transition from there. Coming up next, Allison talks about the major difference between being an apprentice engineer versus a junior engineer and what her transition into full-blown software engineer was like after this. So when I think about an apprentice engineer, the most comparable role I can think of is a junior engineer, right? Or an associate engineer, I guess is maybe the other way of putting it. How do you see those roles as being different? If you had to compare what you did, I know that, you know, of course, an apprentice means different things to different companies. When you think about your experience going down that path versus trying to find a junior or associate engineering level right away, what were the the differences and the idea behind that decision? 
so I, I've never worked as a, a junior or associate engineer, Fair. but yep. I would imagine that, you know, at least in terms of Pinterest, it's probably about the same. Mm. I don't know what those roles have in terms of mentorship involved, right. but I would think one of the main differences would be that, you know, the apprenticeship doesn't guarantee a position at the end of it. Right. You know, it's right. you're guaranteed up to that year and you're given all of these opportunities to meet these expectations and to convert to that full-time engineer position. But if for some reason you're not meeting those those goals or, you know, or something happens and so on, you won't be sort of guaranteed that job at the end of it. Whereas like an associate or junior engineer, I would imagine, you know, unless that that company has some sort of a timeline attached mm -hmm. where there's like that probationary period. So I would imagine that would probably be the biggest difference. So you've become a mentor, or as you put it, a supplementor <laughs> now. What has that experience been like? What do you what do you kind of see in the cohort behind you and how you've been able to support and, and help them navigate this role? So a supplementor is a little bit different. Okay. As an apprentice, you'd have your mentor who is on your team and they are kind of, you know, by your side throughout the process. But then they also did this really great thing where they added something called supplementors, which is an engineer that is not on your team, mm -hmm. that is from some other part of the engineering organization that is meant to be an additional resource in any way. So it could be if you are stuck on something and you don't want to go to your team, or maybe they're not available for whatever reason, or advice, you know, could be something team related, could be you know, pretty much anything. It's just sort of like an additional mentor to have in your pocket to help support you on the journey. Mm. So I am currently a supplementor to two different apprentice engineers mm -hmm. and they're both amazing. Then they just started. So I'm very excited for them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been really amazing being on the other sort of side of the table because, you know, as we talk about, you know, different things, different concerns or or stresses or you know even like you know this, this very common feeling of like imposter syndrome it's so easy for me to be like oh yeah absolutely mm. <laughs> like i i have been there i am still often there like i'm happy to try to provide perspective from just the other side of the table and someone who converted so recently as well so now that you are a full-blown software engineer. Tell me about what that transition has been like. What's it been like going from an apprentice to, you know, the full-on thing? And how has that changed? What's the difference there? You know, obviously it's nice that there's no, uh, <laughs> there are no quarterly reviews anymore and there's no uh, worry about, oh my gosh, at the end of the year, what if I don't have a job? <laughs> mm. You know, that part's gone. So that's like the biggest change. But yeah, I mean, in, in the day-to-day, -day, I'm still doing all of the kind of work that I was doing before, just without that mm -hmm. additional support system that's built in. But of course, you know, if I ever do have an issue or have a bug that I'm unsure how to work through, you know, I have incredible support on my team between the other engineers and our, our team's tech lead. There's lots of support kind of always built in. So yeah, honestly, there hasn't really been too much of a difference. Mm. So obviously, you know, apprenticeships are a really, really great opportunity for apprentices and for, you know, people breaking into tech, getting that first job. But what do you think is in it for the company? Because I imagine, you know, the the more early career you get, the more support 
you have to provide, the more mentorship, the more time, resources, etc. And, you know, the work than the deliverables you're getting back isn't necessarily going to be at the same ratio as a more experienced person, right? Mm -hmm. So when you think about kind of Pinterest position, what do you think is the advantage? And, and do you think that more companies should have programs like this? And you know, how can it benefit them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that every company that's able to provide this sort of experience, you know, even if it's a smaller company, and they can only take on one or two apprentices, I think it's so beneficial for everyone involved. Because, you know, as you mentioned, it's a great leg up for the apprentices themselves. I mean, these are people who are aiming to change their career and transition into tech. And to get this experience and, you know, for some of the bigger companies, like the name on your resume is just, you know, an immediate like jump up. Mm. <laughs> it's like, it's not even a step up. It's like a jump up. Right. So, you know, there is all of that, but on the company side, I think it's so great because, you know, for one thing, it really helps to diversify the engineering organization. You know, there tends to be, you know, in terms of demographics, there's a lot more variety in True. apprentices yeah. and, and people coming out of boot camps for many different reasons. I mean, going to college and getting a computer science degree is not always available to everybody, whether that's financially or, you know, other life circumstances. I mean, it, it takes a really long time and it's a huge money commitment. I mean, I'm, I'm still paying off my student loans from college right now. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's definitely a, a very big thing. So I think that diversifying the engineering organization is so important for so many reasons. And I think that it also brings a lot of fresh perspectives because you have people who have had lives and careers before their apprenticeship which means they're going to have a very different take on things. You know, they may mm. look at a problem or look at a feature and say, well, oh, well, have you considered this? Or, mm. you know, what if you look at it this way? And that can totally open up someone else's eyes to like, oh, you're right. Or I, I never would have thought about it that way. So I think it makes the product better. I think it makes the company better. It makes it a more inclusive place for everyone, which is amazing. It does involve some commitment on the side of the organization from the get-go in terms of having that additional mentorship. But because, you know, especially in the case of Pinterest, because they are holding us to that same standard as a full-time engineer coming in at that same level as like a new grad level, at the end of the day, there shouldn't really be any gap of ability or knowledge because we've gone through this process for a year and hopefully at the end of it, we've proven that and we've grown to the point that we can be considered at that same level as someone coming in mm -hmm. from college. And, you know, there's always going to be some things that maybe a computer science grad knows that an apprentice doesn't. But, you know, you can always learn. <laughs> you can always learn technical skills. And there's with tech, there's always so much to learn. But I think having that positive attitude and that desire to learn and that excitement about the work that you're doing, I think that makes all the difference too. Now, at the end of every episode, we ask our guests to fill in the blanks of some very important questions. Allison, are you ready to fill in the blanks? Sure. <laughs> Number one, worst advice I've ever received is? 
I think it's to wait to travel until after retirement. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was definitely told like to wait to do all of that fun stuff, all the life adventures until afterwards. But I really believe that travel shapes who we are mm. and how we see the world. Hmm. It creates more empathy for others. And like, I really think it's so important to travel as much as possible. And the sooner, the better, you know, as much as you're able, Mm -hmm. even if it's like within your state, even if it's within your city, Mm -hmm. I mean, whatever Mm -hmm. you can do, there's so many ways to open your eyes to to something new. So yeah, I would say that. (laughs) Number two, best advice I've ever received is? Probably to learn how to code and to switch careers into tech. I mean, this decision honestly has completely reshaped my life and my entire life's trajectory. I mean, I'm able to work remotely now. Mm. I just so many doors have opened up and I'm just incredibly grateful that I had someone in my life who nudged me in this direction because honestly, I don't think I would have come up with it on my own. Mm. (laughs) Number three, my first coding project was about this one I love. <laughs> it was a CLI app that was focused on dogs called Frankenmutt. And <laughs> users could create and save their own custom mutts or mixed dog breeds. Uh-huh. And I just went totally into this. I created a whole bunch of custom ASCII dog art <laughs> and wow. like added all of these like funny sound effects and animations to the point where I was literally working on this and laughing at my desk with headphones on. That's amazing. (laughs) And I think it was like the most fun I've ever had building a project. And very fun fact, this project was somehow chosen for the GitHub Arctic Code Vault. (laughs) So, (laughs) So this ridiculous CLI app exists there, which I think is pretty amazing. That is so cool. My favorite moments are when I am building something. Usually, you know, it's code. Sometimes it's design. That just like makes me giggle. Like I'm just sitting in the corner at my computer, just giggling to myself and, you know, no one gets it. It's fine. But like, I'm just having a blast. I'm having the time of my life. Yeah. (laughs) Number four. One thing I wish I knew when I first started to code is that there's just an amazing supportive community that exists out there for people learning how to code and especially for women in tech. So in all of my previous professional work experience, like I've never encountered anything remotely like this. And there are meetup groups and Facebook groups and Slack channels that are literally just filled to the brim with people willing to help each other and provide mentorship and lift each other up. And I just think that's just like the most amazing thing. And I I really wish I knew about that from the beginning, Mm. because I would have been in those (laughs) from the get go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think honestly, that's been one of the good things to come out of this whole COVID experience is that everything went virtual. I mean, you can attend women who code meetings across the country in another country, even like you don't have to physically be somewhere to connect with others. So yeah, I I wish I had started that from day one. Thanks again so much for joining us, Allison. Yeah, thank you for having me. This show is produced and mixed by Levi Sharp. You can reach out to us on Twitter at CodeNewbies or send me an email, hello at CodeNewbie.org. For more info on the podcast, check out www.CodeNewbie.org slash podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next week.